special New Year's Eve episode of Romance with a Cocktail. I'm Peter. And I'm Ashley. And we're married. Today's Romance with a Cocktail is going to be discussing Book Lovers by Emily Henry. And this book was published in 2022, so this year. It is. It's one of the... It's a newer book. Yes, it's a newer book, and it's on a lot of lists, and I just have to own that last week I said read, but it's Henry, which, you know, I should have probably you gotten that re- right. You had Reed Sutherland on the mind. Yeah, I had the character from the other book on our, on you, my mind, been, I guess, and I was just so certain. about him for all right. the whole week, and it was just... I don't know if it was that. Um, it was just on the tip of your but tongue. But that name must have been on my mind. Reed, Reed, Reed. Good old Reed. Well, uh, this week's um, romance novel is about a book editor and a book agent. So it gets kind of meta. And I, as I was reading it, I was kind of thinking, what would it be like because it's meta already in there, to be the agent of Emily Henry and read a novel that's about an agent and an editor that's, like, talking about books. You know, that's, like, super meta. So that it must is. have been interesting. But, I mean, I could probably choose 50 books in 52 weeks that are about books and writing and publishing that are romance novels. So yeah, you write about a what fairly you know. common, um, like common setting at mm-hmm. least, common occupation in romance novels. There's like a whole group of novels. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we don't have a martini glass, unfortunately, but I did make a martini because they specifically talk about martinis being the New York City drink, right? Right. And then kind of like her drink, that's, it's like representative of her character that she drinks a martini. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when she's trying to reject that characterization, she has a beer. So I felt like it had to be a martini. And yeah. that feels like... You know, New Year's Eve festive. We should have um, we should have had a martini and a beer together for New Year's. I mean, Eve. we could have made our own drink. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we will try it. Cheers. Let's see. I mean, a martini is not my favorite. Oh, it's not. No, it's it's pretty like good. It. Yeah, I would think you would like it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's very liquor forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Kind of burns down the throat a little bit. Yeah. Um, so probably by like the third sip, I'll be like, this is so good. It's supposed but to be a that... little bit colder than I have it. I used uh, the new shaker that your sister got me for Christmas. My mother got me. I mean, got my, you. Oh, my not... mom yes. got me. And so um, so I, I shook it with, uh, with that with ice, but it didn't really cool it down enough. You're really supposed to keep your gin in the freezer. Before you I almost this. put it in there today. And then yeah. I, I mean, also you were kind of like ready to do the podcast. I thought we were going to do it at midnight, but I think maybe, you know, 10, 20, we know we can Plus stay up Plus I was working on the freezer. I don't know if you remember. Like yeah, I mean, there was a lot going out. on with the freezer. So I thought, oh, I'll just leave it. I'm sure he can figure it out for the drink. But I did yeah. think that, that this is probably one where you would want 
it really it's, cold. It's cold. But it's still, I mean, it's still pretty good. Again, it's just like very liquor forward. You know, I like my drinks with like fruit and a little bit of liquor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, you must have read this recently. And so you read it again. Yeah. And I still loved it the second time around. Oh, you loved it the first time. Yeah. I mean, this is when I actually recommended to my own sister. Yes. Because it's kind of interesting. And, you know, there's this whole, it's kind of like a, a retake, a re-envisioning of the Hallmark story. And so we both would watch like Hallmark romances. And so then You this, and your sister? Yeah, and we would always by, laugh. By we, it's I just want to clarify that that's not me. I mean, I'm pretty sure Hallmark. you've watched at least one with me before. But mm-hmm. my sister and I would always watch them. And we would always talk about the idea that um, in like every Hallmark movie, the woman or the man has this really good job in the city and they leave their job and go like live in a small town somewhere in the U.S. And we would always joke when she would go to small towns Mm -hmm. that she should be on the lookout, you know, because she's always lived in the big city. Yeah. And had more of like a corporate job, not in publishing, obviously. But, um, and so we would always joke about that before this book ever came out. Mm -hmm. And so then when I read it, I was like, you have to read it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So, um, I liked it. I thought it was a good book. Um, you know, the characters were likable in a way. They were kind of funny and likable, I felt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's true of most romance novels, that the characters are likable. Oh, I don't um, know whether that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there's definitely, true. you know, how many have I read now? Seven, maybe, romance novels? Oh, I was novels? thinking you read eight, but yeah, seven or eight. Um, and uh, maybe eight at this point. And uh, I would say not every uh, love interest was really... Some of them, it was like, oh, gosh, she would be so much worse is what I would think. You are so concerned about that. And I mean... I mean, uh, if you're really in love, I guess it's worth it. Maybe that's something you should think about, yeah, yeah. and why you react that way. But yeah, both of these characters, right? Like, they're they're pretty likable. Mm -hmm. They're, like, kind of have their own thing going. He's a little bit different than most of the romance novel heroes, although still, you know, it's following my seemingly preferred trope of the guy who's kind of like quiet and reserved and just is waiting for the right person. Also, I want to note that there was talk about him growing up fighting. Once again, you've got all these But that was different because he was fighting because he was being bullied. Yes, but he was getting in lots of fights. Yeah, but he was being bullied. That's a lot different than, you know, a bar fight because... Yes, you learn to fight. Grabbed. If you're in a bunch of fights, you learn to fight is what happens. Yeah, I So mean, just the point is, yet again, the romantic lead for the man is a quiet type who, even though he's an editor, it's because he's really secretly like a mechanic. That's the way they talk about because he likes to figure out how things work. Yeah, and he likes to take things apart. Take them apart and, yeah. And put them back together and... Which, in a figurative sense, you're doing, but I mean... But it's kind of like why I liked editing in the newspaper, Mm -hmm. because it really was, like, there was something there, and I could make it better. So you felt like you liked it better than writing? 
Well, writing to me was super stressful and really hard. And I don't like like the judgment that I imagine came with writing. Mm -hmm. But editing, I knew I could do pretty well. Yeah. And so I, I, it works for me. And the whole point was that it wasn't mechanics for him. It mm -hmm. wasn't construction like his dad. It was books, which, you know, I have to love. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You can't not like two characters who love books that much. It's true. Um, I did not know, other than the reference to Jane Austen repeatedly, I did not know any of the other. They said Nora Ephron, and she, she sounds familiar. Is she She's, um, a, no. Uh, she did movies. Movie. Romantic movies. Like what movie has she done? That oh my gosh, now you're know. calling me out for like what she did. Did she do When Harry Met Sally? Is that who did that? I don't know. We should Google it. Okay. Maybe you can Google it. I could right now if um, I wanted to, but who cares? Yeah. I mean, oh. I kind of want to know. Um, but yeah, she's like famous for her romantic movies. Okay. And so that's movies. And then they did make reference, like there was like, I don't know how to say the name, but Mahari McFarlane. She's a British author who I've read. Um, mm -hmm. And so we'll definitely read her at some point. Sleepless in Seattle. Ah, yeah. You've got mail. When Harry met Sally. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, like just all the greats. Meg the Ryan. Witch. You know, like all these great Meg Ryan movies. And she was, you know, one Whatever of the best. Happened to Meg Ryan? I'm sure she's still around. But she's, that either. just reminds me of like how great she was in those romantic comedy movies. Mm -hmm. I mean, Sleepless in Seattle wasn't that funny, but. Oh, she's not alive anymore. Nora Ephron's not, no. No, but she's been. But, I mean, I remember when she died. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, let's talk a little bit more about the characters. Okay. Um, so there's a sister dynamic again. Yeah, family continues to just be super important yeah. in this novel. Um, there's always the backstory of the family. And mm -hmm. like the hang-ups and the wall came up because something traumatic happened. Was an overkill. No, I know some of these I didn't novels think so. have been overkill. She seemed believable. Yeah, and understandable. I agree. That I think that a lot of people end up like that. That's why I said give it to your sister because reminds me of her. Like <laughs> I told you, I already she's already read it. Oh, has she? Oh yeah, Did I gave, like I told it? her to read. Yeah, she was like that was a good choice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think both stories were. I mean. Yeah. So she's got a younger sister. Her mom died. Her mom's like uh, an aspiring actress who never really has any money. Mm -hmm. I like the characterization of the city. Like the city's like a place that she calls home, and you know, it's not it's not home until you cry on the subway. You yeah, know, that sort of thing. I, I liked that. That everybody's sort of like, you know, the city can be home, and everybody's. You know, struggling, but they're all struggling together, and there's a certain amount of camaraderie. I did feel that sense of New York when I lived. Oh, there. really? So that felt true to you? That yeah. description? I mean, it was like a romantic description to me, and I liked it, but I've never lived yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, so. I was only in college when I was there, but I think that that's true for people, especially people who lived there for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I liked that. Um. So then the younger sister, you know, that's the big 
reveal yeah. at the end. So again, this is a first person it is. novel. Mm -hmm. So you're privileged to some of the emotions that you might not um, see and hear in another novel um, that's third person. Um, so there's, a, there's more internal dialogue going on which is more appropriate to a first person. Yeah, I actually wondered if that would be like too much first person for, or too much internal dialogue for you because you mentioned that last time. Um, well, last time it was like, obviously a very talented, brilliant person was the writer and the narrator, you know? And there was a lot of artistry in the internal dialogue. This one is just sort of short, snappy. It was funny. There were a few things like, she, a few things, like she would take words and, um, here's an example. Um, also he's scowling or pouting. His mouth is pouting. His forehead is scowling, powling. <laughs> and so there's a little bit of that, but, yeah. it, but that's like the extent of it. It's not like super like in depth, Yeah, you know, like descriptions of your internal, thoughts as an artist or anything not like right um which was the last the well last this one. is a practical character i mean she loves books but she right. is a practical less of an artist yes yes and so there's less um eccentricity which mm -hmm. makes them more likable like the amount of like eccentricity in some of these first person it's like oh you know it's a lot so I mean, it, it depends what you're looking for. You know, sometimes um, you might enjoy that. Um, yeah. Sometimes you just want a lighter read. This is a lighter read. Obviously. Yeah, it's fun to read. Although I have to say I did cry, so. You cried both times you read it? This time, for sure. I'm sure I cried the first time if I cried the second time. At what point did you cry? Oh, like when she was like, respond, like when she, um... When the main character found out about her sister and what was happening and she just felt so alone. I cried and like she felt like she was being left. And then I cried when she had to say goodbye to Charlie and go back to the city. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I was very emotional when I was reading it, but it really got me. So the sister, but the sister was the main one that you cried about. No, the main character. Right. They, yeah. The sister started it, and then I read the whole that whole part all together. So I was like, I was already feeling it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, it kind of brought up. There's a you, reveal, but we can't talk about that because that would be a. Spoiler. Well, we have to decide. Yeah, but so for now, we're not going to spoil it. Yeah. Um, but there's something that happens with the sister, and so that you you cried when that happened. Yeah, you just did felt you, it. You, Maybe it's because you, it's first person. Because you have you, a you felt her, like, fear of being alone. Because she's, like, even though she's tough and, like. You've never taken care of your sister like that, though. No, it wasn't like that. It was simply that feeling that she's, like, strong and capable, but she also doesn't want to be alone. And mm -hmm. her sister is the person who's been with her. And she wants to... She doesn't want to admit it, but, like, she needs people. And I just felt, I felt that. Mm -hmm. And so, 
You know, I think that's a big thing in romance novels, the loneliness that people feel. And then, you know, in the end, in romance novels, mm-hmm. that, like, breaks. Like, that's what ends up happening is that they're not alone anymore. But a lot of times the characters are lonely. Yeah. Yeah, she was very lonely. But she had had her heart broken many times. Well, once. Once for real, but then over and over. Like, that idea, like, that's the whole premise of the book, that Mm -hmm. she's the one who's left when these men go off to the small town and find the the baker or the inn owner or the um, teacher. And that's, like, again, it's every Hallmark movie. That's what happens. It's either Mm -hmm. the man or the woman. And they're usually not bad people, but they're, like, city people. Mm -hmm. And they, like, come in and they're, like, really pushing for the their love, their relationship person to do their job or whatever. And then in the end they get broken up with. And it's very anti – it's, like, almost nothing. It's, like, a blip in the movie. Yeah. That, oh, I've decided I have to stay here. Yeah. Um, This isn't going to work. This isn't me. That's what the relationship, the other person always says. And then you get left. And so like that, it happened to her a bunch. Because again, that was the whole inspiration for the book. Yeah. Um, But it was like what you said last week. You said, some people love the city. Some people like small towns. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of that talk about the merits of the city, the merit of living in a small town and whether there was... Something to be said for both. Um, I found it interesting that I read somewhere that the author lives in northern Kentucky near Cincinnati. Hmm. Okay. So, or around Cincinnati anyway. Um, So I imagine, what is it, Sunshine Falls? Is that the name of this Mm -hmm. place? I imagine that this town in North Carolina near Asheville is sort of like that. Sort of like the hills of Kentucky, although that's more like horse country, but it's still like very country feeling, you know, sort of like. Yeah, I mean, and that it's semi rural. It's like, to Charlie's point in the novel, it's not like so nice. It's not, I mean, there are nice things about it, there are good things about it, it's good for some people. Mm-hmm. But small towns have problems too. Yeah. They, the, well, I found it interesting. I mean, I I wonder if the author lived in New York for a while because it was very much like an ode to New York. Yeah. And she lives in northern Kentucky. So I wonder if she lived there. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of interesting, the, the play, the, the decisions that had to be made. Yeah. And whether career and the place where you live is in competition with romance and romantic interests. And that seems to be, I mean, that is what the Hallmark movies are about, right? Isn't that what the Hallmark movies are Yeah, but are in about? the Hallmark movies, you move. Right, but, you then, stay. but then this one is like the, the foil of that. Or exactly, and so it. the fact that she goes back to New York. Yeah. It's, it's not... a ro- it's and she says it in the, like there's a a not, note. There's a note at the end yeah. an author's note about how this idea 
and the, and even the narrator's aware of the fact that she sees herself as the villain in mm-hmm. the in the Hallmark movies. Yeah, like she's the one with the slick hair and the city slicker vibe that. Right, is always wearing heels and it's snowing outside or muddy outside. I mean, like, you'd have to have watched Hallmark movies to understand the way the way this is set up. The, the way how she's, like, the villain. But it's not, like, a villain mm-hmm. because sometimes they're villains. But usually they're not bad people. They're just career-oriented. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, and they seem to be less emotional. Yeah. There is a sort of cynicism, a city, a New York City cynicism, at least through the first half of the novel, and that's the way they talk to each other. Um, There's a part where they're talking about one of the authors that the protagonist represents, and Charlie, the, the love interest, who's an editor, says... That's like saying Charles Manson was a lifestyle guru. It might be true, but it's hardly the point. This book feels like someone watched that Sarah McLaughlin commercial for animal cruelty prevention (laughs) and thought, but what if all the puppies died on camera? (laughs) It's funny. People don't really talk like that, but maybe they do. I guess in in New York they might talk like that or like if you're like an editor you funny. might talk like that or like yeah. i mean certainly i make reference to that commercial regularly yeah when talking about like overdone emotion with lots of sadness um mm-hmm. you know like and like he's like is supposed to be a character who's like very literary he's very um mm-hmm. like thoughtful with his words so you know it's a funny little yeah way of and talking they seem very compatible obviously they're well that's they're similar compatible cynicism yeah and they're like similar people mm-hmm. whereas a lot of times romance novels are like opposites yeah who get together well they think they're they think he's she thinks he's her nemesis and she At first. calls him that regularly so they are opposites in a way. They think they are, but then they turn out to have much more in common than they do. Yeah, they're very, to me, they're very Dividing. similar in the end. I mean, basically, the twist is that he, and this is early, so it's not a spoiler, but he's from the town that is in the novel. I that know, he but rejects. did you like that? Because he didn't like the setting. Because right. he didn't find it true because right. he was from the town that the author wrote about. And clearly the author, you Yeah, know. and she had fun with the names of the, the stores in the town and everything. I mean, that was a... Yeah. Papa Squats. I mean, this could definitely be a movie. You could totally see it. Like, yeah. it's... Um... Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the sister of the protagonist who gets married early. Yeah, 20. 20. Fell in love with a nine years older than her accountant who is very into reading about trains. <laughs> <laughs> but Brendan's also the most solid man I've ever met in my life, and I've long since accepted that somehow, against all odds, he and my sister are soulmates. Yeah, because... So there is this sort of an example of 
And she's like poor and trying to make it in the city. She's sort of like living the life that their mother put them through. You know, she is poor and she won't accept help from her sister. Her sister is always trying to help her financially and like finds. But it's not quite like her sister, her mom, because she is married and she has like, yes, she's carved out like this like stable fairly stable life but she also has her sister mm-hmm. in the background supporting her to make sure that that happens yeah i they're mean they're like super poor there's like a scene where the mom has to doesn't have enough money to, to buy the buy limes groceries yeah. two limes yeah yeah and so they have to like put the lime back right so i mean in a way though her sister represents like the traditional hero of a romance novel yeah and then she like meets this kind of nerdy guy who's not really similar to her but they really connect and they love each other that's that is especially if you're thinking of like a hallmark version of a romance that's a very traditional kind of story yeah so um i did like her characterization of the children of the sister, right? Yeah. Um, she was, uh, she seemed to like children. Um, I don't know if it's, it's probably not a spoiler. She doesn't want to have children. Yeah. And so neither does Charlie. They ne- Neither of them do. So that's something that's um, a little bit different than some romance novels. Some romance novels, there's a baby at the end. They even say that in this, like, in the romance novels. And actually, the sister's reading romance novels. Yeah, the sister loves, like, typical romance novels. What is going on? Is there, like, just a whole bunch of women reading romance novels that are, like... It's a huge it's a, industry. But it's secret. What are you talking about? It's, like, a huge industry. But it's a secret. But it's not a secret. But they keep it from men. Well, not really keep it. It's not like it's a secret that I read them, but I don't like you to read them because you mock me for them. <laughs> So if I read them with like interest, but no man reads but now them with I serious don't, interest. I don't hide them from you because now you're reading them with me. Right. So now I'm like, yeah, I read three romance novels this week. Yeah. Um, actually, not this week. I was too busy. But are we going to read a Harlequin? We might. I mean, they they bring that up. The mom apparently of these girls read Harlequin. Romance yeah, romance. I remember my aunt had a big box, and they had Harlequin romances in there. Um, Are those bodice rippers? They're is that just, what a Harlequin? What a, is Harlequin a Harlequin is just a a print company. Like, a, I mean, I don't know who owns it now or what it is now, but it was like a romance publisher. Oh, and that was like the joke, though, because romance novels have been a joke to people because that's what they think. Like, mm. yeah, I had a teacher in college that was writing a harlequin romance yeah. she was a grad student I think. well in some like ways a it's TA. a good way to start because again they're shorter and they're a little bit more formulaic like it's mm-hmm. at least as the ones i know of like like nora started out writing those kinds of novels oh, she, she wrote harlequin and silhouette is another like harlequin type yeah mm-hmm. yeah and so you read them and they're to- not like these like they're not like saint vincent like no. Lisa Kleypas? They just don't have quite the level of like 
detail and story setting. So they're a little pulp fictiony. They're just like they churn them out. Yeah, and, and you like, and they're not as they're just they're not the same. They don't have this. They're same. the Louis L'Amour of romance novels. Probably like churn similar. churn them out like quickly. Maybe multiple writers. It's just. Oh, there are lots of writers of Harlequins. But, I mean, like, when I've been looking now at, like, best of romance novel lists, because, mm-hmm. you know, this is a time of year where they come out, you'll see some still Harlequin titles on there. Yeah. Um, I tend to like longer books because, you know, I read really fast, and I want to see a little bit more setting and characterization. Well, Doris Mortman has uh, 800 pages. I know, but, like, 400, 500 pages, great. But, like... There's not as much characterization. There's not as much setting in like a Harlequin. So you don't get mm-hmm. quite as much. And I, I kind of want a little bit more story probably than what a Harlequin has. Yeah. Um, Is Ragged a regular? I swear, probably half the romance novels use Ragged as and like when breath, describing you breath, mean. And other well, what I mean, what does that mean to you? Like that seems right. Exactly, she says, a ragged edge creeping into her voice. Why do romance novels always talk about ragged? Your emotions are close to the surface. In that case, I think it's a romance novel thing. I mean, is that not? I mean, now we're gonna have to pay attention. Is that in other things? I mean, it depends on the setting. I I just never really like in that context. Ragged is suggesting like Mm. your emotions are close to the surface, and then in the other context, Mm. ragged would mean like you know your heart is racing, your breath is coming faster. Right. I guess it fits. I don't know. It's just descriptive. Yeah. Um. So. Here's a description of the mom. I like, I'll start it with a little context. I like dating check. I like dating checklists. Thank you very much, I say. Checklists keep things simple. I mean, think about mom, Lib. She was constantly falling in love and never with men who made any sense for her. It always came crashing down spectacularly, usually leaving her so broken she'd miss work or additions or do so badly at either that she'd get fired or cut. Sounds terrible. Sounds so... No, it's unstable. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, her being the parent, which you see even still, and, like, having to let go of being the parent because she's not the parent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they, they didn't portray the mom as, all as like, bad. She mm-hmm. just didn't have the stability you might want, and she yeah. was hopeful for love, but like the descriptions of her way of looking at the city or of yeah. being hopeful she was fun. or having fun. Yeah, like there are those some qualities I'm like, I wish I could be more like that. Yeah, mom's quality, mom's theory was that youthful skin would make a woman more money, true in both acting and waitressing. Good underwear would make her more confident. So far, so true. And good books would make her happy. Universal truth. And we've clearly both packed with this theory in mind. What do you think of that? I thought, uh, I don't know. There, you know, in the, these Kindle books, you see what everyone highlights. If there are lots yeah. of people highlight, lots of people highlighted that. I don't know. I highlight those because I think they might be worth talking about. What did you think? Well, I was curious what you thought about the whole idea of 
good underwear, spending a lot of money on underwear. Sure. <laughs> that yeah. was an interesting detail to me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I always thought that moms wanted you to have good underwear in case you got taken to the hospital. Yeah, but I didn't take it as that kind of good, like clean and nice. Like that's my mother said that all the time. As long as I you, took it more as, as, long as like you flip your underwear, underwear inside out, you can wear it two days in a row. Okay, well, I'm not sure <laughs> that anybody is <laughs> saying that, but yeah. Um, here's a quote about the city, and it's sort of like true about what happens in the city. People like you know stay in the city for a while, and then they end up moving yeah. away. Once in college, a group of my transplant friends had unanimously agreed we could never raise kids in the city, and I was shocked. It isn't just that I loved growing up in the city. It's that every time I see kids sleepily shuffling along in mass at the Met or setting their boom box down on the train to break dance for tips or standing in awe in front of a world-class violinist playing beneath the Rockefeller Center. I think how amazing it is to be a part of this and to get to share this place with all these people. It I is mean, interesting. I probably believe that. I'm probably ultimately more a city person than a country person. Hmm. Um, and I think living in the city is hard, but it could be hard and magical at yeah, the same time. I know we don't Naples, live in a city, Florida. but... If I was really this is like choosing, suburban sprawl. Yeah, if I was really choosing, like anytime I go to a city, I'm like, wow, like this is three great. Hours in any direction, the closest. City no, there's is no really city. Miami. Yeah, no, we do not you live have to in cross a city. The to but, get to the city. <laughs> but I mean, I think, I think that's true. Like, I think going to the city and like being a part of it is magical. Mm-hmm. I, it is hard, though. That's why people don't want to... I mean, it's hard, it's expensive, and it can be all those things, and it can be a really interesting, cool place. Yeah. It says, those girls must have ha must have an internal body temperature of at least 300 degrees. I like that. Yeah, because, you know, like, when you have, like, a kid in your bed oh, somehow, gosh. it's like, they're and so it, small, uh, and they... <laughs> feet in your face and they're so hot and like, they just like really dominate the space yeah hmm. um gin martinis yeah i mean because that's like i said last week the words sophisto the words distracted by two gin martinis and a platinum blonde shark flash across my mind like it's casino's neon sign, part thrill, part warning. So that's the gin martini that we're drinking. Um, I love this. Um, this is like one of the best, like really small description. This place looks like Cracker, Cracker Barrel had a baby with a honky-tonk, and now that baby is a teenager who doesn't shower enough and chews on his sweatshirt sleeves. That was Did you, awesome. like, want to go I to that place like, and be I like... I was like, 
No, you don't want to go to that place. No. But I was like, shoes on a sweatshirt. That's such a like strange thing to know <laughs> and think about. And like think that baby is chewing on his sweatshirt sleeves. Like it's very specific and it's a real like you get that. I love that. That was like brilliant. And then, you know, there's more of these like fake word these like words that they come up with. He says it like a challenge, like I knew it. His brows arced, the tiniest shred of a smirk hiding in one corner of his mouth. Somehow, this doesn't totally extinguish his pout. It just makes it a smout. (laughs) And then then the next one is, he's smirking through his pout. Smirting. (laughs) So that's like a recurring thing. Yeah, she's constantly doing that. Um, Especially when she's looking at him. But, I mean, what do you think about him? Because that's been something that's come along. You know, you're always like, the men are too flat. We don't really. Hmm. Yeah, I got to say, I did not think that about him this time. This this seemed, and especially for a first person, you could have gotten away with not, not really re- developing him. He said things that, like, let you know his the geography of his emotional sort mm-hmm. of like build up, build up and what he's what he's made of and um you find things his own backstory that makes sense i mean there there is part of the backstory that i'm not sh- i didn't really think too much about but it kind of made sense that he sort of had some family drama mm-hmm. around his birth yeah, I don't want to ruin it, but there are some things that um, made him want to fight everybody in school. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's not unrealistic if you're like not accepted as a kid yeah, and you're like kind of weird to people in the town and, you know, it might be like more of that, a culture where that's mm-hmm. like, that's the way you do it. Yeah. This is uh, Nora, the protagonist. It's my literary stock character, I say. I'm the cold-blooded, overly ambitious city slicker who exists as a foil to the good woman. Good woman is capitalized. Yeah, I mean, it is. That's like her whole character. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then obviously the story is that she's a good woman and she's not in opposition, but that's the character in the yeah. the novels or the movies. Yeah. And then they're like, what is the novel? Is the novel a literary novel? Is it an upmarket fiction novel? I get the sense it's probably just upmarket fiction. The one that, like, the writer who's in the background, like, yes. her client. Yeah. yeah, I got the sense it was, It's not, like... like Super literary. No, but I got the sense that it would be more like respected literary yeah. fiction. Upmarket. Yeah. Isn't that what they call it? I don't know. Is that what they call it? But that would make romance novels like, like downmarket. That doesn't sound nice. Yeah, they're just trying to, I mean, it's But not yeah, nice, like but clearly, it's... especially because the way he said the first novel was really good. Mm-hmm. And then this novel is great, right? Mm-hmm. And even they share little snippets of it. And you can tell it's got a different 
Um, yeah, it's not a romance novel. It's right? not. It's not a happily ever after, and they kind of talk about that yeah. and how she doesn't look for happily ever after. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's something. She reads the end first mm-hmm. of the books. Do you read the end of I, the book? I, a lot of times I do. What? Yeah. And you still read it? Yeah, because it's not about that. For that, that me. Actually, it doesn't surprise me. You open gifts before you're supposed no, to. No, it's all nothing the time. like that, though. First of all, I don't open gifts. And you open them all the time. Second, it's like I somehow I just need to know how it ends so that I can enjoy the book. Mm-hmm. And like, not always, especially though if the book is less obvious of what's going to happen, I just have to like read the end. <laughs> Then I go back and I read the book. And sometimes I read the end and I'm like, I don't need to read this book. Why? Because I'm like, oh, this is depressing. Or like like some of that upmarket fiction where I'm like, oh, this is terrible. I'm done with this book, mm-hmm. putting this down. Um, so, yeah. So I like connected with that because I like to read the end. She called him a rake. Who? The protagonist. In their silly banter. There's a lot of uh, texting banter. Yeah, I like that. I thought it was funny. And me, question mark, what about her son, the rake of Main Street? This is after they, like, hook up for the first time. Yeah, because that's, like, a literary word. You know, that's, like, a romance word. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, like, in-jokes for romance readers. I take it as the world's most gentle brush off right up until the second he shoots me a wink. I First did the hot wink I've ever seen. Because like, we had that other novel where we they were like, winks are like, maybe you should try it. Maybe I will like it, especially with this whole beard thing you got going. Yeah. A wink and a beard. Maybe it's a whole new mm. like, element to like the, the relationship. I, I surprisingly, Uh-oh. I kind of like it. Yeah. I mean, as long as it's a beard and not a mustache. If it's a mustache, it's done. Why? What's wrong? Yeah, with that, that? definitely, I won't like that. Why? But the beard is, is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Looking good. The rules that govern family dynamics are nonsensical, but they're also rigid. I like that one too. Yeah. There's a part deeper in the novel. My face jerks sideways. Shepard stops short, his mouth hovering an inch. Oh, shy she of my swerved cheek. him. Is that what the kids call it? Well, yeah, because I think you called it. I thought you called it that. No, that's something. But yeah. Lily definitely does because yeah. she was like in the car. She was like telling Abby, she was like, yeah, my mom swerved my dad. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, they were that? talking because they're always talking about like, how to navigate boys. Yeah, how to navigate boys. And and a big one is like navigating boys who want to kiss them. Ugh. I keep telling her just to not spend any time worrying about boys. But anyway, and so it came up that like I swerved you. And I was like, it was the second date. I wasn't ready. I had to swerve. And so I'm like, that's a good thing though because they need to know that they can swerve too. Yeah. 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 It's not a lot of verbal consent in this one. No, I mean, there's the moment, like... There's not a lot. Not the same as the ones... Um, the one. Not the the one that really, really... The one started. that's like... But, I mean, the last three we've read, there has been condom use. Yes. 
But it wasn't like as big of but a... This, this one was like more realistic. I mean, it's very real, really. I mean, it was just sort exactly... of like sort of like the guy's like, "Oh, you want to use? A... Okay, I guess I'll, <laughs> I guess I'll use a condom." And then, the... and then it's just like, but there isn't a lot of like, like it's not a big part of the because scenes. it's obvious that the other person's into it, so you don't have to ask, you know, literally forever. Well, they do talk about the fact that they're moving in this direction, though. It's not like. Like, there are little ways they talk about it. I mean, it's clever here. It's not as, um, yeah. it's more real maybe because it doesn't feel like it's, like, inserted mm-hmm. so much. It's just, like, the relationship is progressing and they don't want to really deny it. Yeah. There's uh, interesting, so there, there are these, like, couples. There's the sister who marries... The nine years old accountant who likes mm-hmm. to read about trains. Just thought that was funny. <laughs> and then there is an older couple, and I don't want to ruin it too much. But there's an older couple that uh, comes together as though the woman who's an artist is in Europe and spends eight eight years trying to be a visual artist. A painter. Yeah, but that was in York. Right? Well, she's in New York, but she she's also in, in, Italy, yeah. in, in Europe. And she just decides she wants to move to the small... She's like... Yeah. And a- she, after she's kind of made it, you know? Right, she like gets, she's... Um, she gets uh, bought by a, like, a big collector. And, and so there is this, like... There is this type of person that would choose to do that. And, there, and yeah. that comes up. And she abandons her art because she decides it's all BS. Yeah, it's a game. That? Yeah, that like, like it's like only she because she one was very person good, and then she got bought by a curator, and then people liked her, and it was only then that people liked her. And she's like, "But I was just as good before." What did you think about that? Well, I'm probably with Nora of like, but or maybe it's that then people saw it and noticed your talent. Right, because I don't remember exactly what she says, but Nora kind of says, like, because I'm sure she could see herself in a way as an agent, like, in that role of, like, I can get your attention on this great work. And even if there is a game in it, your work is great, so don't you want people to see it? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it probably is a game, because it's just, like, academia. It's all, it's, there's so much of it is a game. Yeah. And your work is already good, but mm-hmm. the right people see it or the right people notice it or has the right name attached, and suddenly others want it. But, I mean, I probably wouldn't, like, give that? up my career for that. Like, if people wanted to buy my art and I was a talented artist, I'd probably sell my art. Mm-hmm. But I don't know because I'm not an artist. Hmm. Okay. But, like, I don't have those strong, you know. You don't have feelings. Well, I agree more with Nora. Like, I was like, really? You're not going to sell your art because you've decided that, like, now that people want it, they only want it because this other guy bought it? I, I, that was... Well, she's a purist. I don't think there's a right or wrong. Yeah, but for me, I'm not, I'm not a purist. I'm just not actually a purist in most things. Like, I'm more practical. Mm-hmm. Well, you do read a lot of romance novels, and you don't have to do that. So there are things you enjoy. Yeah, but I don't have, like, 
Yeah, but I can enjoy all kinds of different romance novels. You can um, enjoy movies. And, and I can read... You like your Law and I Order. I can read great literature, and I can watch Law and Order, and I can, you know, read academic journal articles. I'm not, like... To me, they're not... One is not better. Nerd. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> that's fine. I'm a nerd, but I'm a practical nerd. Yeah. What, but did you agree? Did you, like, feel like that spoke to you then? Because you're, like, bringing that up. Um, well, it was just kind of interesting. I mean, there is, there's, there is sort of like this exploration of different, like what art is, what art's for. Obviously, this is a romance novel, but then there's upmarket fiction, and mm -hmm. there's great literary fiction. Probably they bring up Jane Austen. You know, that would be considered part of the canon, right? Is yeah, that part of the campaign? it is. I mean, so, it's still romance, though. I mean, there so. are like very few romance novels that are considered part of the classic. Right, of she's one of the few authors. Um, yeah, and so, and that's the only one you would consider an actual romance novel. When I was bringing up, no, I mean Jane Austen has a whole like group of novels okay, that I would say are Jane Austen. The others are, I guess, they're technically, but I don't find them romantic. Like, I don't find obsession romantic or, like... So Lolita's out <laughs> as a romance yeah, it's novel. Not a romance. Only, like, I don't even know who would consider that a romance. Pathological. Yeah, something's wrong. Child abuse yeah. is not romantic to you? I mean, did you think this story was romantic? Um, hmm... Well, yeah. I mean, there is, like, you know, they bring up the nightmare brain and they bring up the minds. The melody, yeah. The way the minds come together, I think that's important part. But then there's also the physical attraction. Yep. It's not as steamy as other ones have been. It's not as, like, it's almost like there, it's a, perf like, the, the physical attraction part is a perfunctory part because this is a romance novel. They have to put it in there. I mean, it's It's true. much more I esoteric. Mean, yeah. It's much more about the minds, a meeting of the minds. There are some others where, like, the physical attraction yeah. is, like, it's, like, constant. I agree. But, I mean, I like it more when it's like this. Yeah. Like... They were attracted to each other, but they also, I mean, it, they were interested in each other. They mm -hmm. were interesting to each other. Yeah. Exactly. Um, there's a 4,091 highlights. <laughs> said, sometimes even when you start with the last page and you think you know everything, a book finds a way to surprise you. Would you agree? Yeah, I think. That's Did you true. read the last Sometimes, page of this? Did you read? No, that? because I read it on a can on not Kindle, but like iBooks, and so typically I only read the end when I'm reading physical books. Physical books, because then you can just turn. Uh, and I don't know. There's something about like going to the table of contents and like having to go to the last page that is kind of strange. It's not like I've never yeah. done it, but. And, I mean, I don't typically have to do it with romance novels because, I mean, you know what the end is going to be. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, like, especially if there's, like, a lot of sadness, I like to go to the end. Like, I probably read the end of Mortman before I read the rest really? of it. 
Oh, I'm sure, because that was, like, so sad, and it was, like, took forever to get to where they were together, so. In fact, I actually think I read the end this time, too. I think I skipped ahead and read the end and then went back and read yeah. the book. But it didn't mean I didn't enjoy. Yeah. Did you enjoy that, the description of his erections? It's, like, <laughs> a recurring <laughs> Now thing. You're, you're, like, noticing it's always a... But that's actually true to life. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> What? What's true to life? Yeah, there are a lot of things that are true to life. Whether you decide to describe it in a, in a novel is a different question. Right, but when you're like in the early stages of a relationship and you're like well, this feeling is, this, this is, attraction, you know, yeah. you well, that, have that, that physical response. Well, that's the first time that they hook up. There is that response. Yeah. And there is a lot of description of that. And then there's... Um, his tongue in my mouth, his erection moving against me until my insides are violin string taut. Birth control, he asks. Obviously, but got it, he says. Of course he does. He's just like me. When we're both out of control, obsessed with each other, there are still a few dozen threads holding reason in place. Charlie moves off me, finds his wallet, and comes back with a condom. No further questions asked, no huffing, no hint of frustration, no implied uptight nag or bore. He tucks his hand. Oh, my gosh. This is just so sad. This is what it's like, hooking up with people. He tucks his hand. Because there's, like, disaster. He, she goes out on a date with a guy who's yeah. shorter than her. <laughs> and he, like, is really upset and about it. And is and asking like, about the size of her shoe. can't stop talking about it. Yeah. Tucks his hand against my jaw and kisses me. Yeah, I could read more, but it would sound like... No, they're just... Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, that's not unrealistic. They're like, you know, that's like their first time. Yeah. And, I mean, they're excited about the moment. Mm -hmm. But there was like a pretty long build-up to that. Yeah. Here's an interesting quote. I read once that not everyone thinks in words. I was shocked imagining yeah. these other people who don't use language to make sense of everyone and everything, who don't automatically organize the world into chapters, pages, and sentences. It's just not true. Everyone thinks in words. Do they? We think in words. Like Who doesn't I, think in words? Numbers people? I don't um, visual, people. super visual people. Think about the woman. Well, she was a letters person, but like Reed was like a numbers person last time. Or like, if you're like a stats person, you're constantly mm -hmm. attaching numbers. You know. So I mean, I think that's probably true. But I think both of us are word people, yeah. so we can't. I mean, I can't even really imagine another way to like yeah. think about people than words, but. Yeah. Some people aren't as into words. Yeah. I, I guess that's true. I I just can't imagine how you do it. It's still all symbolism. I mean, no matter what. We're symbolic. Yeah, what about those color We're meaning people? Makers. But what about the color people that's who see the world in colors? Human. But what about the people who see the world in colors? Or like what do you mean? smells and tastes and no, but there's like an actual way. There's like, I can't remember what it's Synesthesia? called. Synesthesia? 
Yep. That's a disorder. <laughs> no. Yeah, it is. Well, not the way I've read a romance novel where the person did that, and it was not a disorder. Have you read Faulkner's The Sound of the Fury? <laughs> Only parts of it. <laughs> read the read the part where the where the idiot kid is narrating. Like, Peter, you cannot say that. The developmentally disabled Thank child you. or young person is. Or like I read a romance novel once where it was a she like saw the word world and like taste. Like, she was a chef, you know, and it was like, she would, like, imagine the foods that would go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but also, she's going further. It's, like, words and, like, the communication with words and the organizing the world into books, basically, is how she sees things, stories. Yeah. And not everyone does that. Yeah. I mean, all those stories are kind of, like, one of the, like, foundations of yeah human... It's what makes community, us yeah. It's like We're storytelling. Yeah. Um, there is a part in this where the parent intervenes. Do you remember the dad intervenes? Yeah. Did that strike a chord with you? Where you're like, that's like what happened with me. You didn't think you didn't make. I that didn't make it that, but I thought like it's. No, I didn't think that. But I did think that it's a, like that line between being a parent and a child. And when, at what point do the parents, like do the children become the caretakers? And do you... Did you make the association with my dad going to you in the newspaper and being like... No, not really. No. No, because we were still so young at that point. Like it was like he said it, but we didn't do anything about it. No, no, it was when I worked at the press register. So we were. It was before senior year of college. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was early. Wow. Right. I mean, that's. So I was in New York, though. Yeah. And like he just saw me, and said something, but like, I mean, maybe it's like plants a seed, but I didn't necessarily see it. Because yeah. this is, like, a whole different level of, like, he's saying that, but she's seeing it from Charlie's perspective. And, like, yeah. so it's a, you know, it didn't seem the same. Because in a weird way, like, you want him to push them together, but at the same time... It's not the right time. I don't know. Yeah. So. Well, I'm at the end of my highlights. Any last takeaways? Well, I'm just curious, like, if there's a, an idea about romance or, like, something. Hmm. I don't think there's anything earth shattering i would just say it's it's very centered on the idea of reciprocity and compatibility yeah you know i think that's where this one lands i mean it's sort of like an exploration of those ideas and like there's somebody for everybody even the villain 
Who's not really a villain? I would say that. But of the Hallmark movies, because a woman doesn't have to be this one particular way. Not that that way of like the Hallmark movie hero heroine is not bad either. But neither is the other woman's story and the way she. The other woman also gets gets being a city person with a career and who really cares about their job is. Yeah, and then she has a soulmate. Who's mm-hmm. also a city person who really cares about his job. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I think that's my favorite thing is just how compatible they really were, mm-hmm. and yeah, I just really liked their them as characters. I guess. Mm-hmm. What are we reading next week? Well, I mean, I wasn't going to, but I think we're going to read Pride and Prejudice. It keeps coming up in these novels, mm-hmm. so we're going to go way back. I checked it at one hour and zero. Seconds. Look at you. I just know when these things get to an hour. Somehow. Um, so we're going to read Pride and Prejudice? Yep. Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice. I better get to work on this one. It's going to be a long <laughs> I know. Week. We're going to actually really have to read with this. You're not going to yeah. just like jump through when it. When was it written? Do you have any idea? I want to say 1700s, but maybe 1800s. Because, like, Pamela is a novel that I'm pretty sure is considered, like, the first romance novel. Or maybe, yeah. 1813. 1813, okay. Yeah, so. That would have been early. early Well, that's what I was thinking. It's still very early. It's early, early, yeah. Well, it's referenced, like, if you read a lot of historical novels, it'll be referenced as something that, like, maybe the women have read or something, you know. Hmm. Was it read... I mean, it wasn't read by men at first, or was it? I mean, it maybe, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I feel like they've always been novels written for women. Um, it'll be worse. Maybe we this one we should read a little bit about the history of it. I think and we then need to. Yeah. It's also interesting because then there are a lot of novels that are based on Pride and Prejudice that are like retellings, yeah. like modern retellings of Pride and Prejudice. That's a whole thing in the romance world. So this my will favorite, set you up. My favorite professor in college was a guy who took a historical per- perspective on all the great novels that we mm-hmm. read. And like just stuck to it was not critical at all. There was no postmodernism, yeah. no feminism, no psychological analysis. It was just like a historical analysis of the these works and where they fit. And so I think we probably need to do that. There's a good Wikipedia page on it. Okay, so. Wikipedia. <laughs> well, I mean, well, at least these, these days, okay, so it's before next good. week, it's, we will at least like read very Wikipedia. Long. It's very well. Long. I mean, Pride and Prejudice. There's tons of stuff out there on yeah. it. So, I mean, who wants to read the academic stuff? Not me. I might. You can just see what I can find. Synopsize it for me. All right, we'll see what we can find. All right. All right.